Well, ready or not, it's Christmas time. Christmas is full of shopping for gifts and eating and buying gifts and eating and wrapping gifts and eating and waiting in long lines and eating. Christmas is about food, family, fun, and fellowship. Most importantly, Christmas is about faith. Christmas is about God's gift to us. Christmas is about God's grace on us. Christmas is about God's love for us. Christmas is about God's peace in us. Christmas is about God's praise from us. Christmas is about God's Son with us. Matthew quoted the Old Testament prophet Isaiah when he said, See, the virgin will come pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. This good news shared years ago is still good news today. Since God is with us in Christ Jesus, we have help. God is always ready, able, and willing to help us. As the psalmist said, we wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield. The psalmist said, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. When God saved us by his grace through our faith and trust in Jesus, God placed his Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He helps us to live and love God's way. He helps us to read and understand and obey and share God's word. God helps us because he loves us. God helps us because he's at work in us, changing us to be more like Jesus. The good news of the gospel reminds us that God loved us so much that even though we had turned away from him and sinned against him, even though we were spiritually dead in our sins, physically alive, yet spiritually dead, even though we had no way to get to God on our own, God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to this earth to rescue us from our sins. Jesus gave his life for us on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood for you and for me to provide us with forgiveness of sins. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again, victorious over sin and death for you and me. And we know that God now has opened the way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with him by his grace through our response of faith and trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation. We stand before God righteous in Christ Jesus. We stand before God right with God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we know God helps us because he loves us. God helps us because he has saved us, and now he is changing us day by day to be more like Jesus. Since God is with us, in Christ Jesus. We also have hope. We are not alone. We are not forgotten. We are not helpless because we have the confident hope God is with us. Our challenge is to keep our eyes on God every day all through the day. Hopelessness crashes into our lives the moment we start to take our eyes off God. Time and again in God's word, we see God shatter the hopelessness 
of people who will simply turn to him and look to him with eyes of faith. And we're going to continue doing that this morning. Open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. I am starting a new series this morning titled, Emmanuel, God is with us. For the next few weeks, we're going to take another look at Matthew and Luke's accounts of the birth of King Jesus. As we take another look at these accounts, as we take another look at this amazing, incredible, outrageous story of the birth of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus, we know a couple things will happen. God's going to speak to us, and specifically, God is going to teach each one of us by His Spirit in us as we study His Word. What God says to us starting this morning, as is the case every week, every time we gather together collectively, every time we get with God on our own in his word throughout the week, God, what God says to us is for us because we are disciples of Jesus. So no, every time God speaks to you and to me, it's for us because we're disciples of Jesus. But every time God speaks to us, every time he teaches us, it's for others that he places around us because we're also ministers for Jesus. We're not only disciples of Jesus, we're ministers for Jesus. So this is for us, but no one understand it's also for those God's going to place around you this week. Maybe, quite possibly, it will be even for those who are sitting right next to you in these very moments. God will allow you and inspire you to share his truth that he's going to download to you in these moments with those who are very close to you even right now. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. God, would you help us to receive, enjoy, apply, and share what you have prepared for us. We know it's best for us. And so Father, now speak to us. And may we have eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're in Matthew's gospel. Matthew was an eyewitness to Jesus. He was a tax collector. He was one of the 12 disciples. And as we know, obviously Matthew was the author of this gospel that bears his name. Let's look at three scenes in Matthew's gospel account of the birth of Jesus. We're going to look at three different scenes and we're going to see and you're going to notice some similarities in each of these three scenes and then we'll apply what we find in these scenes uh, to our lives. So let's jump in. The first scene begins in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. <clears throat> Matthew wrote, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Joseph and Mary were engaged or betrothed to be married. Engagement then is different than engagement today. Engagement then was more formal than engagement is today. Engagement then required a divorce decree for the engagement to be broken. Engagement then, during the engagement period, the man and the woman would literally be called husband and wife during the engagement period. 
intimacy during the engagement period was sin. Because God's desire for marriage, God's desire for us in regards to holiness is, and it was, and it will always be, purity before marriage. Therefore, intimacy and pregnancy during the engagement period would cause much disgrace for the man and the woman, the husband and wife in that engagement period. Joseph was a righteous man. That means Joseph loved God and he loved Mary. And after thinking through things and realizing what was going on, he came to the decision that he needed to divorce Mary secretly because she was pregnant and he wasn't the father. We continue in verse 20. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Oh yeah, that's what I was thinking. Obviously, this is an amazing download for Joseph. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will come pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. God sent an angel to give Joseph information and instruction. The information helped Joseph's faith. What was conceived in Mary, what's been conceived in Mary, is from the Holy Spirit. The instruction helped Joseph's obedience. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife and give your son the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Notice God verified his words to Joseph with his word. Matthew quoted what the Old Testament prophet Isaiah had said years and years before. We continue in verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Joseph did what God's angel said to do. God blessed Joseph's faith and obedience. We pick up now in the second scene, which picks up in chapter 2. So look with me in Matthew chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse 13. Scene number 2. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus were in Bethlehem at this point in chapter 2 in verse 13. They were there in Bethlehem just days after the birth of Jesus. The wise men, which we learn about from the first portion of chapter 2, the wise men came and they made it to Bethlehem to worship and give gifts to Jesus, which they did. King Herod 
heard about the birth of Jesus, and he was greatly disturbed. He was disturbed about the news that this Jesus, the one born king of the Jews, had been born in Bethlehem. He was disturbed because it was a threat to his power as the king over the area there in Jerusalem. And so he was upset. And so we now look again, and God, again, in scene one and in scene two, God sent his angel to give Joseph information and instruction. The information helped Joseph's faith. Joseph, King Herod, is about to search for Jesus because he wants to kill him. The instruction helped Joseph's obedience. Get up, take your wife and your child and flee to Egypt and stay there until I get back with you. Notice God verified his words to Joseph with his word. Matthew quoted what the Old Testament prophet Hosea said years and years before. And so we continue with verse 14. So he got up, that being Joseph, took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt... I called my son. Joseph did what God's angel told him to do. God blessed Joseph's faith and obedience. So we're starting to see consistency in scene one and in scene two. Now let's look at scene three, which picks up in verse 19 of chapter two. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So Joseph's still in Egypt. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. There he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Again, God sent his angel to Joseph to give him information and instruction. The information helped Joseph's faith. King Herod is dead. And all those others who intended to kill Jesus are dead. The instruction helped Joseph's obedience. Get up, take your wife and the child, and go back to Israel. Go 
to the northern part in the area of Galilee and settle there in a town just outside of the Galilee, northern Galilee area called Nazareth. We see once again God verified his words to Joseph with his word. Matthew, here in verse 23, as you see, Matthew quoted the prophets and what they had said before. It said there, then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, you, if you're looking closely in verse 23, you're going to notice the change there. Notice that Matthew used prophets plural, not prophet singular. This third scene included verification from the prophets plural, not prophet singular. That means that this third verification was a summary of what the prophets plural had said years and years before. Therefore, there is not a singular verse in Scripture where you'll find this prophecy like the other two occasions, because the other two occasions were prophets singular. This is prophets plural. There is one secondary reference in Isaiah chapter 11. When you look at the root of the word, uh, there, Nazareth and Nazarene, and there's a connection there that scholars have discovered. But what we see is this was a summary of what the Old Testament prophets had said years and years before. Isaiah said in Isaiah 53 and verse 3, he was despised and rejected by men. Isaiah referred in that passage to Jesus before his incarnation. Before Jesus came to this earth to rescue us from our sins, Isaiah prophesied years and years and years before that Jesus would be despised and rejected by men, which ultimately was fulfilled in his coming. When Philip went to Nathanael, and told Nathaniel in John's gospel in chapter 1, Philip went to Nathaniel and told Nathaniel, Hey, Nathaniel, we have found the one written about by Moses and the prophets. We have found the Messiah. We have found Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nathaniel responded to Philip and said, Can anything good come from Nazareth? The people of Nazareth were despised and rejected by the Jews of the day. Nazareth had a bad reputation. It was a very small town, a very small population, and they were morally lax in their actions and attitudes. They lacked culture. Uh, their dialect was very unfinished and, and crude. And so those from Nazareth were oftentimes despised and rejected. And so we see a correlation potentially from the reality that what Matthew was sharing was just as Jesus would be despised and rejected upon his incarnation and his uh, death, burial, and resurrection for our salvation, also he was saying he would be raised in Nazareth. He would be called a Nazarene. Those from Nazareth were also despised and rejected by the Jews. We know this was a familiar prophecy 
that Jesus would be a Nazarene. We know this was familiar to folks in New Testament times. We know this was familiar to those prophets in Old Testament times. This, this fulfillment that was spoken before, years before, by the prophets. We know this for one example, as Peter is preaching his first sermon in the first church in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, Peter called Jesus what? He said, Jesus of Nazareth. And so this was a familiar prophecy that once again, Matthew used as verification for Joseph, the words that the angel of God was saying to Joseph. Joseph then once again did what God's angel said to do. And God blessed Joseph's faith and obedience. And so as we look at these three scenes, we see great consistency in these three scenes. So what is our takeaway from these three scenes in Matthew's account? I would suggest we see from Matthew's account, it's simply this. Emmanuel, God is with us, provides protection. God's plan for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus included protection of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. God protected, think with me, God protected Joseph and Mary from divorce. God protected Jesus from Herod's death threats when he was but an infant. God protected Joseph, Mary, and Jesus from danger that was all around them. God was with them, watching over them every step of their way, day by day. And God's protection comes with God's provision. God's protection comes with God's provision. God met all of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus' needs. He met every one of their needs. He gave them guidance when they needed it. He gave them safe travel when they needed it. He gave them protection when they needed it. He gave them a heads up when they needed it. He gave them the time they needed when they needed it. Emmanuel, God is with us provides protection. And when we receive God's protection, we also know that God's protection always comes with his provision. As he protects us, he will provide for us. And so we see for you and me, Emmanuel, God is with us means it provides protection for us. God is with us watching over us every step of our way, day by day. God is protecting you and God is protecting me in these very moments. God protects us. Now, there are many times throughout our day that we're able to see God's protection of us. I would dare say, if I ask a question, how many of you have noticed and seen firsthand God's protection of you? Raise your hand. Have you seen that? Without question. We've seen firsthand the power of God, the sovereignty of God, the love of God, the grace of God to protect us and our loved ones and those around us. But I would submit to you this morning that there are more times when we don't see God's protection of us. 
We don't see it. We don't recognize it. We don't realize it, that he watches over our coming and going, both now and forever, that he is always with us, that he is always watching over us, that he is protecting us, that he is guiding us when we see it. And even when we don't, we know that he is protecting our loved ones, and that provides us with great peace and confidence in him because we know Emmanuel, God is with us, provides protection for you and me. And we also know God's protection of us comes with his provision for us. Amen? God's protection of us comes with his provision for us. God meets all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God generously gives us his grace and his love and his mercy every day in every way. God comforts us when we need it. God convicts us when we need it. God encourages us when we need it. God forgives us when we need it. God guides us when we need it. God helps us when we need it. God gives us endurance when we need it. God gives us peace when we need it. God gives us patience when we need it. God gives us safety when we need it. God gives us strength when we need it. God gives us time when we need it. God gives us understanding when we need it. God gives us wisdom when we need it. God meets your needs and my needs in Christ Jesus. He provides. He is our protector and our provider. But listen now, God's protection does not mean, follow me, listen, God's protection does not mean everything will be convenient, easy, and smooth for us. It does not mean that. Please understand, cover to cover, Old Testament and New Testament, this is the truth of God's word. If you listen to anyone else saying health, wealth, and prosperity, and everything will be taken care of you, and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then everything's going to work out smooth and easy for you. And if it's not, because if it's not happening, it's because you don't have enough faith. That is heresy. It is heresy. Turn it off. Tune it out. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. That's horrible. It's biblical malpractice. It's terrible. God's protection does not mean that everything is going to be convenient, easy, easy and smooth for us. That wasn't the case for Joseph and Mary. That wasn't the case for Jesus. This isn't the case for us. This isn't going to be the case for you or me. God's protection of us does mean that he is with us and he will provide for us. God's protection of us includes in times of trials, tests, troubles, difficulties, and sufferings that God uses to deepen us in our faith in Jesus. He will not protect us from those times, but he will protect us in and through those times so that we come out better as a result of those times in our faith and trust in him and better as effective witnesses for him, better able to give him praise, honor, and glory because we have been through the valley and we know he's there with us and we've made it through the valley and we're better for it. And everything within us in our flesh, everything within us resists the valleys. Everything within us. And it's okay. That's, that's who we are by, by this, our nature, our flesh. 
wants to resist the valleys. Our flesh wants to resist pain. Our flesh wants to resist those trials and tests and troubles. But by God's Spirit alive and at work in us, we are able to embrace those tests, those valleys, those trials, those troubles, because we know God's working it out for us and for our best. He's maturing us in our faith in Jesus. Why? So we'll be mature and complete. We'll lack nothing that we need to continue walking and ministering and serving and praising by faith. So we see this beautiful, beautiful picture beginning to unfold. This morning, we're going to continue to look at what this means. Emmanuel, God is with us. We'll continue to see what it means as we make our way through the next several weeks. But we know this morning in this passage, Emmanuel, God is with us, provides protection for you and for me. So what can we learn from this passage? What are some takeaways? I want us to learn real quick. I want us to learn the five points that I kind of highlighted already that Joseph learned. We're going to learn what Joseph learned this morning, uh, and we'll be better for it as we look to the, today, this evening, and this week of ministry with the Lord. The first point we see that we can learn is God speaks to us. God sent an angel to Joseph to speak to him. God speaks to us by his spirit in us. And God speaks to us by his spirit through his word, through prayer, through one another, and through our circumstances. God knows us best and he loves us most, so everything he says to us is best for us. God most oftentimes speaks to us through his word, by his spirit. His spirit right now is speaking to each one of us. Whether you realize it or not, God is speaking to you right now by the Holy Spirit and he is speaking as a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives within you. And so God is speaking by his spirit in you right now through the teaching of his word. And he's drawing you closer to him so that you can do uh, what he calls you to do so you can be who he's changing you to become. If you have yet to place your faith and trust in Jesus and you are still on your journey to a relationship with God by his grace to your faith and trust in Jesus, and let me encourage you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you as well this morning. And what he is speaking to you through his word is to draw you into a relationship with God by placing your faith and trust in him. He's convicting you of your sin. He's working in your heart and your mind, and he's helping you to understand and know that though you have tried all the other avenues in life to find fulfillment and ultimate joy in life, you've missed out because there's only one who can provide ultimate fulfillment and joy in life, and that is Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Savior. And so he's speaking to you, drawing you closer to him. So God is speaking to us right here, right now, which is awesome for us to understand and know. Second point is God gives us information and instruction. God's information helps our faith. God's instruction helps our obedience. God speaks to us and he gives us information and he gives us instruction. But here's the third dynamic that I think is so important and it's so powerful for you and me this morning. God's information speaks to our faith. God's instruction speaks to our obedience. But listen, here's a third. God also gives us inspiration. Inspiration is the desire and strength to do what he asks us to do, which is awesome. It's outrageous. It's incredible that God tells us what's up. God tells us how to do what's up. And then God empowers us to do what's up. He does this for you and for me. Not just information and instruction, but he also provides the inspiration we need to do what he's calling us to do. Whatever he's calling you to do this morning, I don't know what it is, to trust him more, to hold on tighter to him, to go and pray for a brother or sister, to go and minister to a brother or sister, to go and encourage a brother or sister. I don't know what it is. 
to give a blessing to a brother or sister or someone in need. I don't know what it is, but whatever God is informing you, he's instructing you to go, and he's also going to give you the inspiration, the desire, and the strength to do exactly what he's calling you to do. A third point we see is that God verifies his words for us in his word to us. God verifies his words for us and his word to us. God will always ask us to do what agrees with the truth of his word. God will never ask us to do anything that contradicts his word. If we want to know, and this happens often, if we want to know if we or others are hearing from God, if you want to know if you're hearing from God, if we want to know if we or others are hearing from God, then we can check by simply checking to see if what we think we are hearing from God lines up with what God has already said in his word. And if what we believe we are hearing from God lines up with the truth of God's word, there is a good chance that that's the Holy Spirit's confirmation that we are hearing from God. But let me tell you, when we hear someone say, this is from God, and if what they're saying, i.e. back to what I just said a few moments ago about this health and wealth and prosperity mess, then when we hear that, we match it up with the word. That's not what the word says, therefore that's not from God. And so we can tell because God's Holy Spirit will always, always, always lead us to walk in obedience to God's word. The Holy Spirit of God who lives within us will always lead us, teach us, inspire us, empower us, convict us, and help us to walk in obedience to this word because it's best for us. The fourth point we see is that God wants us to do what he says. God wants us to do what he says. Like Joseph, God wants us to obey him. And like we've seen here in Matthew's gospel account, like we've seen in chapter 1 and chapter 2, like we've seen in the testimony of Joseph, obedience means now. Obedience means now. God wants us to do what he says to do, when he says to do it, the way he says to do it. You read, we read this just a few moments ago. Joseph heard from God's angel during the night, and he left for Egypt that night. He heard from the angel, get up, take your wife and child, and go Flee to Egypt. He heard from God at night, and he left for Egypt that night. Obedience is always now. Obedience is now. God speaks to us, and he wants us to do what he's saying to us. When he says it to us, the way he says it to us. Whether it completely makes sense to us or not, whether we totally understand it or not, whether we know how it's all going to work out for us or not, whether we know how to do all that may happen along the way or not, we need to do what God says. It doesn't matter how folks will respond to us or not, 
Oftentimes, God inspires us and tells us to send a text of encouragement. Send a text of love. He'll tell husbands, love your wives. Tell your wife why you love her. Tell your wife why you appreciate her. He tells wives, tell your husband why you love him. Tell him why you are thankful for him. Reach out to your children. Speak to them. Love them. And so often, well, you know, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that later when I feel a little bit better about them. I'll get to that later if they say something to me first. I'll do it when I see them, when I get home. I'll wait and do that in, in person. I almost see that brother or sister in a couple of days. I'll do it then when I see him in person. And most often, as you know, as well as I do, that delayed obedience is disobedience because it doesn't happen. We get distracted. We get consumed with other things. Obedience is now. Now and Joseph shared it, showed this here in this amazing passage. He heard and he responded. When we disregard, when we ignore, when we disobey God's instruction, when we go rogue and do what we want to do, when we turn away from God and sin against God. We break that sweet fellowship we have with God in those moments. And we also open ourselves and others up to the consequences of our sin against God. God, therefore, convicts us because it's best for us. God convicts us. Because he loves us. God convicts us because he wants to forgive us. God convicts us because he wants to restore us to him. God convicts us because he wants to protect us and others from the dangers and consequences of sin. So even in those times where obedience is delayed, and we say, God, I'll, I'll get to that. And, and we choose not to follow his information by obeying his instruction, God lovingly convicts us because he wants to protect us and he wants to provide for us every step of our way, day by day. The fifth truth we see is that God blesses our obedience to him. God blessed Joseph's obedience and faith. He blessed the obedience of Joseph, his faith and trust. God blesses our obedience to faith, and God's blessings include his protection and his provision. You know this as well as I do. God is our good, good father. Amen? God is my good, good father. Let's say that together out loud. God is my good, good father. Again, God is my good, good father. And because we know he is our good, good father, we know this. He loves to bless us. He loves to bless us as any good father does with their children, with their family, with their spouse, as any good mother does with her husband and her children. God loves to bless us. He's our good, loving father. He loves to bless us. 
and he blesses our obedience to him. So let's renew our commitment to obey God. Today, right here, right now, let's renew our commitment to obey God so that we can be blessed by God. But let's renew our commitment to obey God so that we can also be a blessing to others for God. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. God is continuing to speak to us by his spirit in us, and he now desires us to respond in obedience to him. And so obedience is now as we've shared. And so I want to encourage you, don't wait. You don't have to wait. If God is moving and working, if he's calling you to go and to minister, to go and to pray, to go and to be a blessing to a brother or sister in here, go now, stand up and go. If he's calling you to go and pray with a brother or sister, go and get them. And bring them to the altar, kneel and pray a blessing over them. Maybe it's God's calling you as a husband to take your wife's hand and to, to pour blessing into her, to pray over her. Maybe it's God's calling uh, you as a, as a wife to grab your husband's hand and to, to bless and encourage him. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Be that blessing to those that God has placed around you, that God is calling you to right here and right now. As this Holy Spirit is moving, respond. Obey right here. Obey now. And listen, sir, ma'am, if you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation, of placing your faith and trust in Jesus, if you're still on your journey to God in a relationship with him, and God is speaking to you right here, right now, you know that he's speaking to you. You sense it in your heart. There's a strong possibility that, that your heart is beating a little faster than normal. It's a strong possibility that there's this overwhelming sense of awe going on in your mind as, as you're truly grasping right now. Maybe for the very first time, how much God loves you. And how this birth of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas led ultimately to the perfect life of Jesus, the death of Jesus on the cross for you and for me. It led to the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, which leads to new life, abundant life, eternal life for you and me. By God's grace, at work in us right here, right now, through our response of faith in Jesus. These prayer partners would love to introduce you to Jesus this morning. If you're ready to receive this gift, of salvation. And I encourage you just to cry out to the Lord right there in your own heart and your own mind. You can just cry out to the Father. God calls us to cry out to Him. He hears our hearts. He knows our thoughts. God saves us. Prayer doesn't save anyone. God saves us, but He calls us to cry out to Him in prayer. And you can pray a, a simple prayer. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. 
I know my sin separates me from you. And I can't get to you because my sin's in the way. But I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe He died on the cross in my place to pay the price for my sins. I believe He shed His blood for me to wash away my sins. I believe He was buried in the tomb, and I believe on the third day He rose again. He's alive. And he wants a relationship with me. And so, God, I ask as best as I know how. Jesus, to come into my life. God, I repent of my sins. I don't want to do life my way anymore. I want to live your way. God, I ask Jesus to come into my life. Take over and take charge. If you pray to prayer, something similar to that prayer, then upon the authority of God's word, you're a follower of Jesus this morning. Scripture says if we confess with our mouth of Jesus, Lord, and believe in our heart God's raising from the dead, we are saved. So the heart that we believe in are justified, says so with the mouth that we confess and are saved, that everyone who calls the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. These prayer partners are standing here. I'll be standing here. We would love to rejoice with you. If you prayed a prayer similar to that, would you give us a gift today of just simply coming to us here in just a moment and just let one of us know, I received salvation in Jesus this morning. We'd love to just celebrate, pray a blessing. Altar's open, God's working, He's speaking. Let's obey Him. Let's do what He's calling us to do. Let's stand and say yes to the Lord. Thank you.